My name is Ben Williams, and I consider it a great privilege to do what I get to do at Boise Bible College. I firmly believe that the church needs a new generation of leaders to be trained, and I'm just honored to be part of that. Some of those people will serve in a vocational, professional capacity on church staff, but many of those will serve in a volunteer capacity. And I firmly believe that in a healthy church, much more work gets done by the volunteers than does by the staff. And I got to witness that last night. I got to speak with the teaching team and several people who are MCs, and it was a room full of people, a room of several people, and only a couple of those are on staff. That's a sign of a healthy church, and I'm honored to be part of that. I love what I get to do. We can train all kinds of people at Boise Bible College, and I hope that you'll consider sending us your young people as well, because I'm there for a reason. I'm truly humbled that Ben and Andrew invited me to come this weekend, because I hold these two men in high regard, and I keep looking at things when they, when they ask me to come and speak. I said, these are two men that are qualified in many areas, and I hope that you know how blessed you are that they have dedicated their lives to serving you and in the process, serving our king. But they really want to serve you well. You may call them leaders, but they are servants first, and I know that. And as Andrew said, he should know better than to invite me to a place like this, but he did, and so therefore you get to suffer from that. But I can tell you when these men speak, when the people on your teaching team speak, they are giving you messages from the Bible. And there is nothing better than that. See, the Bible gives us the power to align your life with God's will. And there's no way to know his blessing and grace outside of that. I get to teach in the areas of preaching in Old Testament, and I truly love both. I love people, I love helping people understand the Bible. Because of what I just said. It's how we align our lives with God's will and know his blessing. It's not about being knowledgeable. It's not about knowing things. It's not about being smarter than someone else. The better we understand God, the better life we have the capability of experiencing. That's likely a goal that you share whether you've admitted it or not. You want your life to be better. You want to experience better. And God has always been clear about how that is supposed to work. Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes bad things just happen. But throughout the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, overwhelmingly bad things happen to people because they know what God's expected and they choose to do something else. And that is the message that is going to be predominant in this series you're getting ready to unpack through the Minor Prophets. But that message is true through the entire Bible. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to go through the entire Old Testament. Most of it. I'm going to go through 39 books written over a period of a thousand years. Okay, I'm not going to talk about all 39, but I'm going to talk about most of them. And I used to do a seminar where I would do this in five hours. I'm going to do it in about 20 minutes this morning. So all you've got to do is keep up with me. I'm going to take a 30,000 foot view of the big picture of the Old Testament. 
And in order to do that, I'm going to point out some key details. It may feel like a lot, but I want you to think back to your childhood. And I see some people in the room that are older than me. And if you're my age or older, when you were young, you had to memorize a phone number. I can still tell you the first one I memorized when I was three, 791-8488. It's there. You can memorize seven digits. Some of us later had to memorize 10 digits. You can memorize that. It's only a few key details. If you can do that, you can grasp the big picture of the Old Testament. And I'm not even going to ask you to repeat back seven things to me. I'm, I once made Andrew take a final exam that had 200 questions on it. It's going to be nothing like that this morning, okay? Big picture with a couple of details. Why? Why would I spend time doing this? Why would I spend time looking at the entire Old Testament? Your preaching team is getting ready to do a series called Majoring in the Minors, looking at the minor prophets at the end of your Old Testament. And I think that information is super helpful to our time. I think that what is in those books speaks to where we are right now. I think that those people wrestled with the same things that we wrestle with. They wrestle with the same things that we experience every day, much like the rest of the Bible. The minor prophets give us God's answers to those experiences and those struggles and those obstacles. So in this series called Majoring in the Minors, I hope that you will see some major principles that apply to our lives today, not just people thousands of years ago. Now, while these are called minor prophets, that does not mean they are unimportant. It simply means they are shorter, not shorter like me. It means the books are shorter. Isaiah is a major prophet. It has 66 chapters. Obadiah is a minor prophet. It has one. That's the difference. That's it. They're not unimportant. It's worth our time to read them and study them. The messages are major. They are relatable. And I firmly believe that there is a message in the Minor Prophets for us. And it's well worth our time to listen. I'm going to tell you my goals up front. I've been asked to share this by the preaching team. And I think that we're on the same page. I think that we're united in this. Number one, I want you to know. I want you to know. I don't expect you to remember all these details, but I want you to know. If you leave here today and say, that guy that came from Boise Bible College, he knows things about the Old Testament. I've wasted my time. My goal is not that you know that I know. My goal is that you know. I want you to get it. We're diving in deep water this morning, and I can barely swim. All you have to do is keep up with me. Number two, I want you to be prepared to listen to God's message for you from the minor prophets over the next few weeks. This is kind of like going to see Star Wars. Big Star Wars fan. Grew up, saw every movie first run in the theater. I'm old enough to have done that. So this last one comes out, and my wife typically goes with us when we go. She's seen them. She kind of gets it, but she needs a recap right before we go see the last one. Now, my oldest son is a Star Wars geek. He's seen everything. He's read probably not all the books, but almost all of the books. He can tell you about the, the, the shows and the cartoons and the, the rebels and the Clone Wars, and he will argue about what is and what is not canon, all right? He's the expert. So before we go see the last movie, my wife needs a basic rundown so she understands what's going on. Gets that from my oldest son. 
today. I'm the Star Wars geek. I'm also the Old Testament geek. So I'm going to give you the basic rundown before you jump into this series at the end of your Old Testament because I want you to fully enjoy it. So three goals for you. Number one, I want you to know. Number two, I want you to be prepared to listen to God's message. Number three, I want you to get the big picture. I want you to appreciate this series, but mostly I want you to see the principles of God that are true in every age, including this one. And I pray that these principles will change your life. So let me give you the first of the big principles. Principle number one, God is the God of history and he intervenes to restore relationship with him. God is the God of history and he intervenes to restore relationship with him. I believe that the Old Testament is historically accurate. I'm in a small minority of people who believe that. But I believe it's historically accurate. And that includes things like, I believe in a seven-day creation. I believe in a global flood. I even believe that a large fish swallowed a man named Jonah. Now, why do I believe those things? Because this thing that we have, that we call the Old Testament of the Bible, is an amazing piece of work. I've spent some time studying ancient documents, and there is nothing from the ancient world that compares with what we have. You take these verses and these words and these books and these chapters and you put it all together and what we have is greater than any other document from the ancient world by a factor of thousands. There are so many details in the Bible that are historically accurate. It is more historically accurate than anything else that has come out of that time period. And therefore, because of that accuracy, I can believe things like, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. So I believe that it's historically accurate. The Bible tells real stories of real people, and we know that without any question. So when there are questions, I'm more likely to trust the Bible because of the parts that I can trust without any questions. So principle number one, God is the God of history. He intervenes to restore relationship with him. So you ready? We're going to cover the entire Old Testament. Plug your nose. Let's dive in together. In Genesis, God makes a covenant or a promise with a man named Abraham. He promised him his family would get big, they'd turn into a nation, and he would bless them. Why? One verse. He blessed Abraham so that he could bless all nations. That's in the first book of the Bible. God wants to bless all nations. That's the big point of the Old Testament. His grandson gets the name Israel. That's a name you've heard. And this becomes the name of this people. A couple of generations go by. Joseph takes them into Egypt. Now you're reading through Genesis and you turn the page from Genesis to Exodus and 400 years have passed. It's just like when you turn the page from the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, into Matthew. There's a big gap of time. What's happened? This family, Abraham's family, designed to be blessed by God, has now turned into a nation of over 2 million people. They are in Egypt, and God sends Moses, God sends plagues, they cross the Red Sea, and they leave Egypt. Second principle, God keeps his promises to save his people from death. I think these principles carry over into our time. God keeps his promises to save his people from death. People have left Egypt. 
They're headed for the land that's been promised to them. We call that the promised land. And you finish the book of Exodus and you turn to the book of Leviticus. And you ask, why are there so many rules? If you've ever tried to read through your Bible, you may confess that by the time you get to Leviticus, you realize that there are parts of the Bible that are boring. Why are there so many rules? Why does God say to his people so many times, don't do these things? Well, I've heard it said that the more rules I know, the more games I can play. I like to watch football. My daughter plays rugby. The rules are different. And not only to play those sports, but even to watch those sports, I have to understand something about the rules. So I might say it this way, the more rules I follow, the more fun I can have. Think about that in terms of the games that we play. If I follow the rules, I get better at life. God still wants to bless his people. And through those people to bless all people, so he gives them the rules. Stay within these boundaries and you will experience so much blessing and joy if you stay within these boundaries. Outside the boundaries, there is pain. Principle number three, God has given his people rules so that they can know blessing. So in Exodus Leviticus, before they get to the promised land, God gives them a law and he gives them a system of worship. This includes the Ten Commandments. This includes the tabernacle and sacrifices, an entire system of worship. Both of these are crucial. God tells them how to live as a people. He gives them rules. When I drive my truck on the road, all of the other drivers expect me to follow the rules. They expect me to stay on my side of the yellow line. But you know what else? When I drive my four-wheel drive truck up in the mountains where there are no lines and there are no roads, when I come to another truck or a UTV or even somebody on a mountain bike, do you know what they expect? They expect me to go to the right and I expect the same thing of them. When we follow the rules, our lives are better. God laid out Rules to explain exactly what is fair and good and right. What gives him the authority to do that? Two things. He is God. And he led them out of Egypt. Those are principles one and two. And those principles are repeated throughout the entire Old Testament. He's going to repeat those over and over again. Principle number two, God keeps his promises to save his people from death. So by the time we get to the minor prophets, here's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who know what it is God expects. But they're not living that way. By the time of the minor prophets, they are in pain. And in this case, it's because they're not following the rules. That is going to be the case often. There are lots of reasons that pain comes. Sometimes we don't know the reason. In this case, we know the reason. It's because God laid out rules and the people refused to follow the rules. And that's my story sometimes too. The people finally get to the promised land. They mess things up for about 400 years. They know what God expects, but they want to do things like the people around them. And they live in a mess because of that. Finally, they ask for a king. And God says, okay, you can have a king, but you missed it. I'm your king. I've already told you how to do this. My wife teaches sixth grade. 
She told me this week about something that happens almost every spring in the sixth grade. The kids start to get rebellious. And there's always a ringleader. There's one who will push the envelope with the teacher and then four or five and then 14 or 15 kids behind that one will start doing the same thing. They will start laughing. They will start rebelling. And do you know who is almost always the leader? This year is no exception. The tallest boy. The tallest boy starts pushing back against the teacher. Everybody else follows him. Israel's first king is the tallest man. His name is Saul. doesn't work out why because instead of doing things god's way he chose to do things his way are these people ever going to learn god tells him he can't be king anymore he chooses a new king new king's name is david david makes jerusalem his capital that's a big deal it's still a big deal and i'm not talking about politics david makes jerusalem his capital god makes a covenant with david and he says someone from your line is going to be king forever spoiler alert that's jesus but this covenant with david also sets up what's going to happen in the minor prophets new testament opens boring it's a genealogy except it tells us jesus is a descendant of abraham who received god's promise to bless all nations he's also a descendant of david to whom god promised his heir would reign forever so David has a son. His name is Solomon. Solomon is wise. He builds a great temple in Jerusalem. He expands trade all over the world, just like God intended. Let me go back to the very beginning. Let's review. God chose Abraham to be a great nation. Why? So that all nations could be blessed. A thousand years later, we're finally starting to see this. Solomon has wealth and wisdom, and he trades with the whole world, and the whole world comes to see Solomon and hear about their great God. That is the plan that God always intended. And it lasts one generation. Because Solomon, who is wise, starts doing things like everyone around him. His specific problem is women, and he chooses women, marries hundreds of wives who don't want to do things God's way. They want to do things from their own cultures. And Solomon says, that all sounds great. And God turns his back on Solomon. And after Solomon, God withdraws his blessing. Have we ever done that? Have we done things our own way? The ways of people around us forgot what God's ways were. And we wonder how we ended up in such a mess. So when Solomon dies, the kingdom is divided into two. All of this is crucial to understand what's going on in the minor prophets because the people are never going to have that level of greatness again. They divide into two nations. Let's review. God's people are called Israel. God establishes them as a people. He promised this to Abraham. Why? So they could bless all people. He's given them rules. He's given them a system of worship. God knows what is best, and he wants what is best for us. Eventually, they get a king. There are three kings who rule over this entire nation, Saul, David, Solomon. But because of Solomon's sin, the nation is separated. And now they are two nations with two kings. The northern nation is called Israel, and the southern nation is called Judah. David's line is going to reign in Jerusalem in the south. And that's important. Because that's where Jesus is going to fulfill a lot of prophecy. 
All of that goes back over a thousand years. So they're divided into two nations, and sometimes they even go to war against each other, and it is in this time period that we meet the minor prophets. You were wondering if we were going to get there, weren't you? Now, it's important that you understand the setup because the context absolutely matters. We've done three principles. Can I work through them backwards? God has given his people rules so that they can know his blessing. So in the time of the divided kingdom and after, throughout the entire Old Testament, God's people know better, and so do we. We have no excuse for not doing what God expects. Principle number two, God keeps his promises to save his people from death. God's character is clear. He wants to save his people. He's proven that many times, including the Exodus. But principle number one, God is the God of history, and he intervenes to restore relationship with him. Sometimes God intervenes with a miracle, like the parting of the Red Sea. But far more often, God intervenes with a person. And the person says, we need to go back and do things God's way. And that is the role of a prophet. So in the time of divided kingdom, we have these prophets who write books of our Old Testament. They are sent by God to proclaim these same principles that have always been true. Now, let me put them in order. I have really bad news. Your Old Testament is not chronological. So you start reading in your Bible and you read Genesis and then you read Exodus and this is chronological and it goes in order. Moves at different speeds, but it goes in order. And in fact, for the first 17 books, it mostly goes in order. So mostly when you read from Genesis all the way through Nehemiah, you get the story. But here's the bad news. When you get to Nehemiah, you're done. You get to the prophets, you get to books like Psalms and Proverbs, the entire chronology, chrono, what's the word? chronology of the Old Testament is established. And then you get to the prophets, and these aren't more story that happened later. They all fit back into the chronology of what's already happened. That's why I've given you the setup of the Old Testament. Because these minor prophets fit back into the story in the time of the divided kingdom mostly told about in the books of Kings. They're at the end of your Bible, but they're not the end of the story chronologically, and you have to know what's going on to get it. Some of the minor prophets are going to deal directly with one kingdom. Some of them are going to deal directly with the other kingdom, and understanding is going to help. Amos and Hosea, primarily going to deal with the north. Prophets like Joel and Micah and Zephaniah and Obadiah are going to deal primarily with the kingdom in the south, with the city of Jerusalem, which is going to be a big deal for many years later. In fact, I think that Micah and the major prophet Isaiah probably knew each other. They exist at the same time. So if you look in your study Bible, if you have an ESV Bible, often it will have a paragraph at the beginning of each book. It'll tell you what's going on, and that's not just for scholars. It will help you understand why the message is important. Okay, you ready? There are 12 minor prophets. So far I've covered six, which means we've got to cover six more. There's something else you have to know, and that is both nations are going to get conquered. 
The nation of Israel is going to get conquered. The nation of Judah is going to get conquered. There are enemies. And the primary enemies are Assyria and Babylon, both in modern-day Iraq. Why do you need to know that? Because some of the prophets are going to deal with the enemies. You know about one of them. You know about Jonah. Because Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. A hundred years after Jonah, the prophet Nahum is going to say, great, you repented, but you didn't stick with it. You've turned back to your evil ways, Nineveh, and God is going to deal with you. God's wrath is slow but certain. These empires of Assyria and Babylon are far older than the empires of Greece and Rome. And they dealt with the Old Testament people, and we have tons of historical evidence to prove that the things said in the Bible are in fact true. The prophet Habakkuk is going to ask questions like we would ask. The prophet Habakkuk is going to say, God, I know those Assyrians are bad, but I look around and I see bad right here. God, are you going to deal with this? And God says, yes. Habakkuk says, great, how are you going to deal with that? I'm going to bring nasty Babylonians to deal with that. And Habakkuk says the same thing you would say. How can you do that, God? And God says, those same principles are still true. Principle number one, God is the God of history, and he intervenes to restore relationship with him. Whatever happens in the stock market, whatever happens because of the coronavirus, Whatever happens in the 2020 election, our God is still the Lord of history. Sometimes bad circumstances just happen, but in the minor prophets, the bad circumstances happen because they did not do things God's way. One of the reasons I believe that our God is still the Lord of history is because of the messages I read in the minor prophets. When the people had every reason not to believe that, and the prophets came and said, no, turn back to God. Quickly, there are two lessons we can learn from Jonah, and I'm going to give you two more principles. Principle number one, the people who did not have God's law, the Ninevites, changed their ways when they heard it. God's people are always going to have a hard time doing that. Last principle, principle number five, God wants to save all people, not just a small group. God wants people from every nation to be saved. We should have known this from the time of Abraham and Genesis. The entire Old Testament, they should have known it, forgot it. New Testament, they're still struggling with it. And we still are. God wants to save all people. That's who he is. That's his character. There is so much information. But it really matters. And I really want to help. If you forget the details, remember the principles. Okay, so how are we doing? We've done nine. There are twelve. If you do the math, that leaves three. In the north, the people are going to be conquered. Their culture is going to get wiped out. The northern people are going to come to be known as Samaritans. In the south, in Judah, they're going to be conquered by the Babylonians, and they are going to be taken into exile. And if you've been around here for a little while, I understand the church did a series on exile a couple of years ago. But from exile, they are going to be able to keep their culture keep their religion, keep their identity, and they're going to come to be called Jewish. And they are going to get to eventually come home. 
And so by the time of the New Testament, you have this group called Jews, and you have this group called Samaritans, and it's all based on Old Testament history. And some of the prophets are going to deal with this group that comes home. They're going to come home, and they're going to rebuild the wall of the city. They're going to rebuild the temple, and they're going to reestablish God's law from way back, the rules. And those prophets are Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Got through all 12. So many highlights. I could go through each book and give you a message for today. Not my job. There's going to be a series coming up. I trust that you will listen. There's a lot of good messages. Can you stick with me for a couple more minutes? I'm going to tell you the big issues. A couple of principles. Here are the big issues going on. I think these are real men who really spoke in history. The big issues are idolatry, injustice, and indifferent religion. Idolatry, putting anything before God. Yep, we do that. Injustice. All the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. Injustice includes not taking care of those who need help. There are five groups in the Old Testament. Orphans, widows, the poor, church leaders, and strangers. That's established in Genesis. It's established in the law. And the minor prophets are going to go, you're not taking care of people who need taking care of. It's a big deal. And Jesus and Paul are going to repeat those same principles. We deal with that today. Last one is indifferent religion. You show up at church and you think you're good. But you're just going through the motions. It doesn't have any effect on your life. And God says, in the minor prophets, I want more. What's the cure for all of these? Do things God's way. Do things God's way. I hope that you will listen to the messages that are coming. Here's the big point I want to leave you with. The people knew what was right. And God was begging desperately for them to return to him. To do things his way. I think we know what's right. If you do not, if you're struggling, the messages of the minor prophets should make it very clear. I hope that this study of the minor prophets helps us avoid sin and deal with things when we have not. Please let me pray with you. God, we recognize that you are indeed good. It's hard to say some days, but I believe it to be true. Remind us that your ways are better. And I pray for this group, especially over the next few weeks. Pray for the teaching team as they open up the minor prophets. Pray that as we look at them together, that you will reveal in each of us where we are out of line with that which you have already said. And I pray that that helps us align ourselves with you and enjoy the blessings that can follow. But more important than us being blessed, will you bless the people around us? Because we've gathered in the name of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.